Welcome to the Wizard of Whiskey podcast. I'm here today live at Hamilton Distillers in Tucson, Arizona. I am with uh, Stephen Paul, owner. Yes. Uh, the owner of uh, Hamilton Distillers, uh, his daughter Amanda Paul, and Nathan Thomas Avellino, and I believe you are the distiller, correct? Correct. Distiller Fantastic. and maltster. Fantastic. How's everyone doing today? Good. Great. Good. Fantastic. Um, Stephen, tell me a little bit about why. Why uh, a distillery in the desert? How we got here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, um, I, I was, uh, had a long-time furniture company that specialized in mesquite wood. Um, and I, I would always take my scraps home to barbecue with. And I would always occasionally take, uh, tell my wife, uh, only half-jokingly, those are our profits going up in smoke. Um, and so one night she, uh, we're drinking scotch and barbecuing, and she said, uh, why couldn't we malt barley over mesquite instead of peat, like they do in Scotland? So that's basically how it all started. I didn't know how to homebrew, didn't know how to distill, <clears throat> so had to really start from scratch. Um, and uh, started out with a little five-gallon still from Portugal, Alembic guy. A uh, couple years later, graduated to a 40-gallon still from Portugal as well. Um, and did official product development, um, got more investment to put in this 500-gallon system in a, in a malt house. And so we became operational a year ago last December on the distillery side. <clears throat> and then mid-summer, we finally became operational with the malt house side. And so we had to, we had to learn how to malt our own barley because of the mesquite component. We didn't... Um, couldn't find anybody who was malting over, mes you know, drying malt over mesquite, and uh, also didn't, at that point, didn't want to talk too much about our idea. So, um, and that was in, that was, uh, the, the idea happened in late 2006. Um, the little five gallon still happened in early 2007. Started trying to learn how to malt kind of later that year. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that's the that's that's how we got here. Okay. Um, why whiskey? Well, because my wife and I are Scotch drinkers, um, and so I really was. My model was the Scottish model. Uh, never been a bourbon drinker or or rye drinker. Um, just have been in love with Scotch for a long time, and so um, so that was the vision and that's what we stuck with okay. um, what do I have here in front of me well we so you have three three single malt whiskeys um, two of them are aged um, and one of them is is unaged um, so the classic and the Dorado are both aged the classic is unsmoked it's modeled after a Highland um, or a Speyside Scotch. Um, let's see, that's your, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait to pour that clear actually for a little while because it can kind of take over the table um, uh, as far as the aroma goes. Um, so I do like to start people out with this, the classic um, just because it's kind of the more accessible uh, whiskey. Um, again, modeled after like a Speyside or a Highland Scotch. 
Um, and this guy's won a fair number of awards. It's, it's the most decorated of the three. Um, <clears throat> and it's the first thing I did to just learn how to make a single malt whiskey um, before introducing any kind of, uh, you know, weird mesquite component. Um, and so the second one is we call we call it the Dorado, and it's it's the brainchild. Um, it is the the malt is dried over mesquite smoke, um, so it's kind of patterned after an Isla Scotch, uh, but it doesn't have quite the smoky punch that Lagavulin or Lafroig have. Um, I it actually comes out of the barrel smokier than you're going to taste, um, but I didn't want to knock people over the head with uh, with smoke, so we actually blend it back with a little bit of the unsmoked, just so it just uh, you know makes it a little softer on the palate. Um, I do find that, uh, and you'd have to assess this on your own, but I find personally that the mesquite smoke is is softer on the palate than um, than peat um, just not quite as astringent um, <clears throat> and uh, so those are the two aged ones okay. um, so one unsmoked one smoked and then the third one is a is essentially a, a moonshine but it's mesquite smoked it's something we did not originally plan on bottling um, and let me pour that now, actually. Is that this one? Okay. Um, and so it just, it, it's what we barrel to make the Dorado. It is just started tasting so interesting coming off the still that we, we uh, started thinking about bottling it. Um, and then what happened was we had, a, early on we had a tasting with the U.S., with a local chapter of the U.S. Bartenders Guild, Guild and um, they just went crazy over it, um, mainly for the mixing potential, because at that time they didn't have a smoky base to mix with. Um, and so most of the use of most, this it's, we call it our mesquite smoked clear, and the clear is most often used uh, in cocktails, but we get probably one or two out of ten people that taste all three that actually prefer the clear um, to sip on its own, either neat or on the rocks. Um, and what hits your tongue on it, I find, is a lot different than what 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 you will sense on the nose. Um, the complexity on the palate is a lot more broad and kind of has some floral notes under the under the smoke. Um, and so it's something we don't have to, it's clear because obviously it hasn't been barreled, hasn't seen wood. Um, it's something we can bottle right away rather than waiting for it to age. Uh, so that's our, that's our, our lineup. The, Classic unsmoked, the Dorado 
Mesquite smoked Dorado, both of those are aged, and then the, the Mesquite smoked Clear is unaged. All right. Uh, <coughs> Nathan, you want to talk a little bit about the process behind all three of these? Um, sure. I guess it all starts with the, the seed, the grain selection, um, and the malting process. Um, since we, it was just required that we malt our own for, uh, to get that mesquite component. So, um, getting that grain, um, we've been sourcing from Southern Colorado, um, some scarlet barley and uh, most recently some uh, Conlin barley from Marana nearby Tucson um, with some local farmers at BKW Farms. Um, so that's been that's been a great process like just hooking up with with farmers and learning about the growing process and um, how that's different from growing feed or barley for feed or seed um, and just seeing how that results, you know, through the malting process and then the mashing process and at the end of the distilling. So um, we'll get the seed in and we'll start. We're so, we'll start uh, malting, where we'll soak the grain and that kind of jump starts the germination process. Um, we'll then, um, after introducing air and mixing for a series of. Uh, kind of 12-hour intervals, we'll transfer it over to a, a germination tank where we're um, just introducing fresh air at a certain temperature to, to keep the grain happy and keep that germination going. Um, and at that point, we're just we're kind of waiting for the um, what's called the acrospire to, to start growing. And that, that would eventually be the um, kind of the shoot, if you would, the, the barley, but... Uh, um, we're just looking for that to get a certain length and uh, for the starch content to get a certain texture and a certain flavor. Um, and then that, at that point we either introduce smoke for the Dorado or um, just uh, raw heat for the Classic. Um, and then we start the kilning process in that same tank, the same vessel. Um, and those are, that was all designed by Global Stainless Systems out of Oregon, um, and that's that's been a huge, just a wild process that's taken a lot of effort on everyone's part, a lot of like thinking outside of the box, um, being able to adapt, um, and now we're we're finally there where we're getting like a good product out of it after after a year of running test batches and tweaking. Um, we feel like we're getting some good malt out of it, so. Yeah, absolutely. Best best in what we've ever made. <clears throat> well, okay. Um, <clears throat> so I've, I've tasted all three of them. I have to say I'm I'm very impressed with uh, with all three. The um, <clears throat> the classic has that very like you said kind of space head quality. A little bit of heather, some floral notes. Very understated um, um, American whiskey quality. Um, not the the caramel or the toffee of a bourbon, but just fantastic. Um, I got a little kind of fruit, um, almost if you had taken a little bit of caramel and uh, or, or cherry and dipped it in in, in caramel. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So so I really liked that aspect. Um, for the uh, for the Dorado, um, 
and you guys can tell me if I'm way off on this, the, the, the smoke is actually kind of understated. It's just kind of lays back, and then you get a little more of the smoke on the, the palate and on the finish than you do on the nose. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so it's for, for those of you who liked uh, smoky whiskeys uh, but don't want to die from them, uh, like the Lagavulins <laughs> or the Lafroigs. Uh, don't get me wrong, Lagavulin 16 years is one of my absolute favorites, and I, I uh, explained that uh, for years as if you had taken a first aid kit and just wrapped it in seaweed and then chucked it into a fire. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's Lagavulin. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and most people are kind of repelled by that, that thought, but I, I love that. Oh, it's a great um, whiskey. Yeah. yeah, it's a fantastic whiskey. Um, but this smoke is—it's a lot different. It's a fruitier smoke. It's—it's um, not as astringent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have uh, the bite and the bitter um, as as some of the other smoked whiskeys do. Um, and it's—it's it's very well done, I think. Um, the the clear is pretty damn fantastic on the nose. I think that it's just got so much going on. Um, what different on the are you just uh, malting, uh, distilling, and then just not throwing it into a barrel? Are you doing anything different with the clear than the others? That's no, it? okay, it's pretty much uh, you know, yeah. basically, it is what goes into the barrel right. uh, for the Dorado. Yeah, just a <clears throat> we'll proof it down for the bottle string, yeah, and then that's pretty much it. There's really no blending that goes into it, it's so it's it's really interesting though. To see what like what the aging process does, what the cooperage mm-hmm. does, and um, yeah, it's it been a fun a fun product to put like blind taste people on yeah. too, especially mm-hmm. near like Sonora where yeah. Bacanora. Most most people would maybe assume mezcal. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it happens a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not surprised at all by that. I I get a little more dried fruit with mm-hmm. this than I do with mezcal, but mm-hmm. um, if if I didn't know, I would I would probably say it too. Um, no, it's it's fantastic. The, the smoke just jumps out at you, and again, that dried fruit quality. And then on the palate, herbaceousness and grass, and you know, sad to say, tumbleweed. I love that. <laughs> See, I kind of like it, it. You're in the desert here, uh, so it's it's very interesting. Um, very nice, Amanda. What do you think of? of uh, of all of this, of all of this, yeah. <laughs> I think it's um, it's been a, a larger endeavor than we ever thought it was going to be, for sure. Um, when I think back on that little five gallon still, and now I look at the five hundred gallon still in the malting system, um, it's kind of amazing that it actually happened. Um, but it's it's been really fun. I'm I'm probably the the one who's the least versed in scotches and whiskeys out of the whole group so it's been a fun learning process for me too and the whole thing has been a super you know has been very much a team effort um i mean you know amanda my wife elaine um have kind of supported this whole thing going you know while while it was in its you know infancy um, and then, you know, Nathan coming on and um, learning how to distill and then ultimately really distilling a better product than I ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then learning the whole malting process on our little um, little 70-pound batch floor malting system and then, and then graduating to this big 5,000-pound 
malting system. Um, my, uh, you know, we have investors, and my um, some of those investors have been huge uh, supporters. Uh, you know, from a moral support, uh, technical support, um, business acumen. And, you know, it just goes on and on. Ellery, who works with us as well, huge, huge team player. So, so it's really been a collective effort. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, uh, what's next for you guys? So we are, right now, we're kind of trying to complete our expansion into the rest of Arizona. We started out in southern Arizona. Um, with the product out of the little 40-gallon still. Uh, as of mid-summer, we started pulling stuff out of barrels for the, for enough out of the barrels for Arizona, the rest of Arizona. We're right, like next week, we're gonna go to California and interview some distributors to try to move into California and then hopefully Colorado and then maybe the tri-state area. As far as product goes, um, we have some ideas for um, some other spirits uh, using desert botanicals, um, but we're going to just stick with these three to, you know, make sure that we get this guy, you know, this ship sailing here. Um, and we're really trying to just focus on what what uh, what we know and what's proven uh, in terms of marketability. Um, so, yeah, there's a you know a gin idea, another idea using uh, mesquite bean pods for sugar as a sugar source, and then a couple of other ideas. But but for now, we're we're just trying to focus on what we know works. Okay. Is there a succession plan here for, for turning over the distillery? Uh, some years from now? I am working on that and because I'm 64 years old. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm actually, Amanda and I are, are that is a, uh, an assignment that is due pretty soon. Um, and I have started to you know, make a list of everything I do. Um, and we've got to get that figured out because um, yeah, I'd like to like to slow down at some point. My wife is, uh, you know, pretty much pretty much retired, and she's um, impatient with me to join her a little more. I'll never retire completely, but um, sure, sure. but yeah, no succession plan in place yet. But we're working on it. Anything else to add, guys? I don't think so. Can't think of anything yeah. in the moment. This was really fun. All right, yeah. cheers. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, everyone. I appreciate the uh, the pastries and the whiskey. It's it's my breakfast of champions, really. <laughs> um, so, um, awesome. And do you, how do uh, if someone wants to come to the distillery or get your product, is it available online or is there a website? Uh, there's a website, uh, HamiltonDistillers.com. Um, there is a find page which will tell you on and off premise places where you can purchase it. There's information about um, bottling crews and tours and tastings as well. At this point, we're um, we're not available for purchase online, but that's something we're we're actively working on. So check in soon. Okay, and you're on the social media as well. Yep. Yeah. Facebook, mm -hmm. Instagram. Yep. Same handle, okay. Hamilton Distillers. All right, fantastic. 
Um, well, that's this episode uh, of Wizard of Whiskey. You can always find me on the Twitter and on, on, the, on the Facebook, as I say. Um, uh, live from Tucson, signing off. <laughs>